Hello and welcome to Are UFOs Real with T.L. Keller. This edition of Are UFOs Real is brought to you by the Total Novices Guide Books. I'm T.L. Keller, author and former aerospace engineer. I formerly worked at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, British Aerospace and Douglas Aircraft, among others. On this program, we'll look into the myths and realities of unidentified flying objects, what we all know as UFOs. Why do people continue to report sightings of UFOs? Why do they report abductions, crop circles, and other highly strange events? All opinions expressed on this show are the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of webtalkradio.net. And by the way, if you're a skeptic or you have UFO experience of your own or know someone that has and would like to appear on this show, will announce how to contact us at the end of the program. So strap yourself in and buckle up. You're in for a ride of your lifetime. We have a great show for you today. First up is Frederick Fox, who was a former U.S. Naval aviator and American Airlines captain. Frederick graduated from uh, Wharton School of Business and was commissioned as an ensign in the United States Naval Reserve in 1960. He graduated from the uh, Naval Flight Training and received his wings of gold in 1962. Frederick served aboard the USS um, Ticonderoga, which, uh, for those of you who don't know, was an aircraft carrier that was CVA-14 from 1962 until 1965. And he was in areas of operation that included Japan, uh, China, Vietnam, Laos, and the Philippine Islands. Frederick joined American Airlines and also flew in the U.S. Naval Reserves, retiring with the rank of lieutenant in 1968, and then later retired from American Airlines in 1998. Now, he's uh, flown uh, for 20 years as a captain, and he was rated on nine different uh, commercial jet aircraft, including a 707, a 747, DC-10, DC-11, among others. He has a total accumulated flight time, including the U.S. Navy and American Airlines, of over 20,000 hours. Now, uh, as being a a uh, uh, civilian pilot many years ago, I can assure you that 20,000 hours is a lot of time behind the stick. Welcome, Frederick. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, tell us uh, about your uh, uh, UFO observation. Uh, what uh, month and year did this take place? Well, before I start, I'd like to make a statement that... Uh, this nomenclature UFO is uh, needs to be corrected. If I call up the Air Force and tell them I just spotted a uh, UFO over my house, they're going to say, sorry, Mr. Fox, uh, we uh, quit dealing with that uh, a long time ago. But if I call them back and say, uh, I want to report an identified or unidentified alien craft over my house, they'll have somebody here in 15 minutes. Oh, is that right? This, this came out of a uh, MUFON uh, presentation uh, earlier this year. So I'd like to use the term 
uh, identified or unidentified alien craft, as the case may be. Now, in my particular case, I was uh, flying the uh, Douglas A-4 Skyhawk, the Echo version, my second cruise, and I uh, was the duty tanker pilot. And uh, we were operating northeast, northwest of the island of Luzon in the Philippines, and this was about a month after the Gulf of Tonkin went down, and they had me playing uh, bogey uh, for the F-8 fighters. We had two squadrons of F-8 fighters, VF-51 and VF-53, and uh, the late uh, James Bond Stockdale was the CEO of uh, VF-51, and my uh, late uh, commanding officer, Wesley L. McDonald, Wesley E. McDonald, was the CEO of VA-56. Now, and what, they were uh, the ones were launched to uh, intercept these alleged uh, uh, PT boats that uh, supposedly were attacking the Turner Joy and the Maddox. Anyway, I was, uh, they launched me uh, as the duty tanker, and I went up to the 2,500-foot uh, pattern and was there to uh, refuel any uh, aircraft uh, uh, that were low on fuel for the recovery. And then I climbed up to altitude of about 20,000 feet, and they vectored me out 200 miles uh, from the ship. Uh, and I was between layers on what is uh, in the Navy was called a uh, proverbial black-ass night. There was no moon, and you couldn't see anything. Okay. Now, what and, other? Uh, uh, let me just ask: What other aircraft were uh, were being carried by the Ticonderoga at this time? We had two squadrons of A-4s, two squadrons of F-8s, one squadron of A-1 uh, Sky Raiders, a uh, detachment of uh, A-3 heavies, uh, we called them whales, and a uh, detachment of uh, F-8 photo beanies and a uh, uh, E-2A or E-2B uh, uh, airborne early warning detachment. Okay, that's the uh, E-2 Hawkeye, I believe. Yeah. Okay, and uh, just uh, to make sure um, everyone understands, uh, this was in 1964, was it not? September of 1964. Okay, and this was uh, virtually one month after the Gulf of Tonkin uh, incident, which uh, took place um, uh, not all that far from Haiphong Harbor in uh, North Vietnam. Is that correct? No, actually, it took place in the South China Sea, uh, somewhere north of Da Nang, but not as far north as Haiphong or Hanoi. Okay, and uh, the uh, USS Maddox was a destroyer that uh, allegedly was attacked by three PT boats uh, from North Vietnam. Uh, the Maddox and the Turner Joy, both. Okay, and then uh, the... Um the A-8 Crusaders allegedly were sent to attack the PT boats. Is that correct? Uh, the F-8 fighters and the A-4 Skyhawks. Ah, okay. Yeah, they were sent out at night with flares, and I don't believe they ever found any PT boats. But allegedly, based on those attacks, uh, we started bombing North Vietnam the next day. Right, because this is, um, this is actually uh, the uh, justification, allegedly, of um, President uh, Lyndon Johnson uh, 
initiating uh, the war against Vietnam. That's correct. And that's just one month earlier. Yes, now, it was. My question is, uh, was the Ticonderoga carrying nuclear weapons? We had a special weapons capability at that time under uh, what was uh, called PSYOP uh, during the Cold War. Uh, yes, uh, they did have special weapons capability. Okay. And and you were trained uh, in special weapons yourself, were you not? As a uh, certified... Uh, Loading officer and delivery pilot, yes. Okay. Now, the reason why I bring this up is that um, if the Ticonderoga were carrying nuclear weapons, and I believe the, uh, isn't the, wasn't the Skyhawk uh, a, uh, basically a, uh, an attack bomber, and wasn't it capable of uh, carrying a nu- nuclear weapon at the time? Yes, A-4 were uh, close air support tankers, and also special weapons delivery aircraft. Okay. Now, the reason why I bring this up is that um, there have been any number of reports uh, in the past uh, that um, these uh, alien craft uh, have been uh, concerned um, about uh, nuclear weapons, and they've overflown uh, nuclear weapons uh, storage facilities and also Minuteman uh, launch sites, I believe, up in, uh, oh, South Dakota somewhere. Uh, these, in- these incidents are all recorded in Dr. Scree- Stephen Greer's uh, disclosure book, as well as my uh, uh, testimony, and I'm on page 145 to 148 for anybody that may have that book or uh, are interested in researching it. It's over 500 pages long. Okay. So uh, getting back to your um, uh, incident, uh, you were at, uh, they launched you at uh, uh, 20,000, you were at 20,000 feet, about 200 miles from uh, the Ticonderoga. Yeah, I was out there about 200 miles playing bogey for the the, uh, F-8, sort of boring holes in the sky at uh, uh, minimum uh, cruise uh, speed because of my weight. And then all of a sudden, this dark shape showed up on my left wing, 30 to 50 feet. And I thought it was one of the F-8s that had been vectored to intercept me. And I called, uh, I called uh, CIC, and I said, this is Champ 11. That was my call sign. Are you painting anybody out here beside me? And they said, no, why do you ask? And immediately, I dropped it. Right. Now, the, when you say painting, that means that the uh, the aircraft carrier had you on the radar, but uh, no other aircraft or other, uh, in, in fact, vehicles uh, other than yourself. No, that's correct. And um, this shape was about 30 feet in diameter, classic uh, domed saucer shape, no windows, uh, no lights, uh, no discernible markings, and the reason I was able to see it, I didn't realize until later after I had reviewed some of the uh, F8 of uh, the uh, eight millimeter uh, movies I had taken during a cruise. I had my running lights on, my left and right wingtip lights, my upper and lower rotating beacon, and uh, my white tail light. 
and this was evidently enough to illuminate this object. Okay, and did it have uh, any uh, lights showing? Uh, no, did it have said, any, no windows or anything like that? I said no lights, no windows, no markings. Uh, whatever its propulsion system was, was not affecting my engine instruments, my radios, my lights. And I never had a feeling of fear or hostility. Okay. It was a feeling of uh, benign observation. Now, uh, since uh, this object was off my left wing, I decided to do a little uh, uh, investigation. So I did a 20-degree bank turn away from it, non-evasive, for 90 degrees, rolled out, and it was still on my left wing. I then did a 20-degree bank turn into it, non-invasive, non-invasive, uh, for 90 degrees. It was still in the same position. I then did a 30 to 35-degree bank turn uh, away from it for 360 degrees and then into it for 360 degrees. And the whole time, this thing was right on my wing, flying evidently formation on me. And this took the better part of about 20 minutes. Uh, at that time, uh, uh, CIC called and uh, said your single uh, bingo uh, vector, whatever the heading was for the Ticonderoga to, uh, to cover the, uh, the recovery. And, of course, uh, that was the last recovery of the night. The tanker uh, goes down into the 2,500-foot pattern and... Um, uh, tanks anybody in need of fuel and then comes aboard. Okay. So uh, when, that, uh, oh, when I uh, when I started to vector uh, back to the ship, this object, whatever it was, instead of breaking away and flying away from me, just dematerialized. It just simply disappeared. It, it, it's, it disappeared. It's like it, it put on a, a cloaking device. And it just disappeared. It dematerialized. Mm -hmm. When it first, I never, I never mentioned this to uh, anybody, and never came up in the course of conversation until uh, I retired from American in 1998, and there was a uh, F-8 photo pilot that was attached to the uh, Ticonderoga during that cruise. That was one class below me at American, and he was retiring, and we. Uh, compared notes and brought this up in the, the uh, a course of conversation, and I found out that he had had a similar incident. I see. And what, uh, 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 when was that? When he was I an air airline his... pilot? No, this is when he was the F an F-8 oh. photo pilot aboard okay. the Ticonderoga with me. It was during okay. the same cruise. I see. Oh, I see. Same cruise. And and then he got out and became an American airline pilot, and we uh, uh, we sort of uh, uh, discussed this uh, after he retired from American. I see. And what was your airspeed uh, when this uh, took place? When this event took place? I'd say somewhere between, uh, depending on the weight at the time. Now that buddy store we carry is uh, a two thousand pounds, so it depends on your weight. Uh, I'd say it was around 250 to 270 knots. 
Okay. You know, uh, okay. You know, Fred, Frederick, um, a skeptic might say, well, this was easily explained. Uh, they might say that it, it was one of the E-2 Hawkeye aircraft, the airborne early warning uh, type of craft that have a very large um, disc-shaped uh, radar dome on top of the aircraft, uh, and it's the white uh, the white dome that you saw of the E-2 Hawkeye. Uh, what is your uh, response to that? Well, number one, I've discussed this with uh, one of my shipmates who was uh, uh, on that cruise and flew one of the E-2s. First of all, uh, the shape I saw was not white. It was black, dark, and it was darker than the night sky. And again, I was able to discern it because of my running lights. Second of all, the E-2 would have been out there to vector the F-8s to me if I was out beyond the radar capability of the ship. So the E-2 would not have intercepted me. Uh, the F-8s were the ones that would have intercepted me because the F-8s are the ones that are armed with, uh, with 20 Mike Mike cannons and uh, Sidewinder missiles, and if uh, there was an enemy aircraft, uh, they would be responsible for shooting it down. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Frederick, e yeah, go ahead. An E-2 doesn't carry any weapons. Right, correct. Uh, Frederick, uh, I'd like you to stand by. Uh, our conversation continues in a moment. T.L. Keller's Are UFOs Real? is brought to you by the Total Novices Guidebooks. Would you like to know more about UFOs but are afraid to ask? Why do so many people still report UFO sightings? Why are they even here? A new book, The Total Novices Guide to UFOs, introduces the reader to the world of unidentified flying objects. You may have accepted the stories of weather balloons, hoaxes and optical illusions as the explanation of the UFO phenomenon, but just take a look at The Total Novices Guide to UFOs and your worldview will change. This large format book is printed in full color with more than 500 pages of fascinating reports of UFO crashes, ET abductions, crop circles and UFO related stories including the testimonies of 10 military officers who experienced UFO events and extraterrestrial beings. The Total Novices Guide to UFOs also explains why they are here and who pilots them. The Total Novices Guide to UFOs is jam-packed with stories and reports from well-known UFO researchers such as Linda Moulton Howe, Timothy Good, Stephen Greer, Travis Walton, NASA astronauts Edgar Mitchell and Gordon Cooper. The Total Novices Guide to UFOs is available on the internet from the totalnovicesguide.com, amazon.com or from your local bookseller. Okay, we're back with uh, Frederick M. Fox. Um, let me uh, ask uh, you this. Uh, w once you landed, um, obviously you didn't report seeing uh, 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 a uh, craft from um, some other um, solar system, let's say. Uh, uh, I didn't know where it was from. Uh, right. Uh, 
you know, uh, and I was the Code 4 pubs officer. I was communications officer, and uh, uh, we have a publication called Janup 146 Echo that uh, uh, had a heavy fine for uh, uh, un, uh, fraudulent, not fraudulent, but frivolous reporting of uh, unidentified flying objects. Mm-hmm. And what might have happened if you had reported this? At the probably, the probably would have grabbed me and sent me for uh, an evaluation. I see. So it was uh, uh, best. Uh, the best strategy was to not say anything at all. Exactly. Okay. Um, what? Um, let me ask this. Uh, as we mentioned before, the Ticonderoga was carrying nuclear weapons. Um, is it possible that uh, this um, uh, identified alien craft, as you say, uh, might have uh, approached you thinking that you were carrying a nuclear weapon, given the fact uh, that the Vietnam War had just started? Uh, that's very possible. Uh Obviously, uh, they knew that we had nuclear weapons aboard all the carriers uh, then as, as part of this uh, Cold War PSYOP program. And um, so uh, it's very possible that uh, they were investigating to see if I was carrying uh, uh, such a weapon because that uh, uh, center line in a 2,000-pound buddy store that I use for refueling uh, is very similar to some of the weapons that we carried. Yes, I, that's uh, what I was sort of getting at. Um, uh, now, uh, let's see, What um, did you have any other um, uh, IAC observations uh, during your service in the Navy? No, that was, that was, the, uh, that was a one-of-a-kind. Okay. Um, and did you talk to any other naval aviators during your uh, your time in the service that uh, reported this to you just uh, privately and confidentially? No, I did not. Okay. So let's go on to your experience with American Airlines. Um, did you uh, observe any IACs uh, during your time with American Airlines? Well, there would have been UACs, Unidentified Alien Craft. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, one night I was flying, uh, this was in the 70s, I was flying co-pilot on a uh, 747 freighter from LAX to Kennedy. Uh, we were at 37,000 feet on a very clear night, and uh, I was sitting in the right seat, and I saw these two lights go from east to west, uh, 60 degrees above my horizon, uh, there were red lights about a fist apart if I was to hold my fist up. And they went from east to west in about, I'd say, three to four seconds. Now, that's traveling uh, at a very fast speed. And there was no discernible contrail. So these had to have been uh, well above our atmosphere. I see. And then I've uh, I've had other sightings. Uh, of uh, cloak devices uh, in the shape of clouds uh, over military bases and, uh, uh, you know, uh, like white sands uh, and such uh, such as that. Mm -hmm. Tell me, uh, 
what uh, is your uh, takeaway from this? W why do you think uh, they did approach you and uh, did they attempt to contact you uh, telepathically in any way? Do you have if any sense they of did, that? I was not aware of it at that time. Or looking back in retrospect, uh, I feel that they downloaded something into my subconscious mind that has been time-released because uh, I started studying this whole UFO phenomenon in 1947 when I was nine years old, when the Kenneth Arnold uh, incident broke up at Mount Rainier, and then the subsequent Aztec, Socorro, and Roswell incidents uh, uh, took place later that year in New Mexico. So uh, having grown up during World War II and uh, having built warbirds when this uh, new UFO-type phenomenon, uh, as they uh, labeled it, uh, uh, hit the newspapers and everything was subsequently covered up for whatever reason. Um, I naturally started studying this, and uh, I've been studying it ever since. I'm a, uh, I was a member of uh, uh, APRO, uh, and I'm now a, uh, a member of uh, MUFON. I go to uh, MUFON uh, meetings monthly, and I've been to two of the international symposiums, and earlier... Uh, uh, starting around 1999 to 2004, I attended the International UFO Symposiums in uh, Laughlin, Nevada. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hobnob was some of the finest uh, investigators around the world, including uh, Jaime Masson from uh, Mexico. Now, you mentioned earlier uh, Dr. Stephen Greer. Uh, can you just uh, briefly uh, summarize uh his uh, disclosure project, and and I believe uh, you know you are one of the disclosure project witnesses. Well, I met Dr. Greer in 2001 at a prophets conference in uh, Palm Springs, and he was asking anybody who was in the military to come forward and uh, uh, interview uh, with any uh, experiences they had with. Uh, alleged unidentified alien craft during their military, uh, uh, you know, tours of duty. And I decided it was time to come forward and, uh, uh, you know, share that information with him. And uh, he also is running the SETI-5, the CE-5 program uh, of international, or excuse me, uh, galactic ambassadors who try to contact these alien uh, life forms, whoever they are, uh, in the interest of uh, promoting uh, peace and science, uh, uh, you know, between us and, and them. Can you tell me how many military uh, witnesses he's uh, uh, collected over the years, roughly? That's all in his disclosure book. I, I would say hundreds. Hundreds. Uh, fascinating. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Frederick. I very much appreciate your uh, being on the show today. Uh, that winds up our show. Um, are you a skeptic or have you had your own UFO experience? For those of you who would like to appear on Are UFOs Real, please contact us at T. Keller, that's T K E L L E R, at DC dot rr dot com 
That's tkeller at dc.rr.com. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned. We hope this and future shows will truly be mind-opening.